If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Friday, welcome aboard the National Football Show. Dan Cilio. Appreciate everybody coming aboard here on this Friday. Getting ready for a weekend. Long day for big sales here, man. Hey, I want to thank everybody at Birds 365 for having me on this morning. That was a lot of fun here on the Jacob Media channel, too. A lot of people chimed in as we get ready for football. Get this. It's two weeks until the start of the NFL season. Two weeks. Steelers and Cowboys will be reporting to camp and getting ready for the Hall of Fame game. I mean, we're here. This is now in the window where coaches are now coming back from their vacations. Uh, not that coaches take very many weeks when it comes to vacation because now the NFL is a 24-7 deal. But you're now starting to put your depth charts together. And this is the most important thing. I brought this up yesterday now. Depth charts tell the players where they are as they go into training camp, obviously, right? That's what a depth chart traditionally is. It's also messaging for these players. Hey, if you're a starter and you were – Maybe a starter for the last five years, and all of a sudden you've been dropped to number two. What does that usually mean? Well, you're either making too much money or the guy they drafted, they want to replace you with because he makes less money. And if it's compatible where both the talents are equal, they're going to cut the guy with the big money because they're always trying to manipulate the salary cap. Got to always understand that. So when you see these rosters and these depth charts that are being posted, It's very informative to know what the team thinks of where they are currently and where they think they'll be at the end of the season. So that's why this next couple weeks here is going to be very important when we're talking about getting ready for the upcoming NFL season. College football, we'll hit on that a little bit too later on. Got to love the fact that I get a chance to catch up with my friend uh, Howard Balzer, Hall of Fame voter. He is a guy that is plugged in at Sports Illustrated. And there's no question about it. We will ask him about numerous topics that are there as we get ready for the start of the NFL season. So Howard Balzer will join us. That'll be at the bottom of the hour. We will talk a little college and pro football with College Football Hall of Famer and three-time Super Bowl champion Randy Cross. That'll be an hour number two. You know, before we get going into football, though, I do want to start the show off on a pretty – I would say this, on a pretty controversial topic. I broached this yesterday, and I hit up on this on my national radio show last night. I want to do it again because I got a lot of blowback from it. And I want to make sure that I that I tell the end story here before we dive into this topic here. Next couple of weeks here, we're going to be celebrating our country, and we're going to be watching our Olympic athletes as they perform in Tokyo. I am one of the greatest honks on the planet when it comes to celebrating our American athletes. I love the Olympic Games. I don't care what the event is. Every time I could see the red, white, and blue, 
and I can hear the Star Spangled Banner. It just means so much to me because I love this country. It's the greatest country on the planet. It affords me the ability to do what I do. It affords me the ability to do what I have done. I'm so thankful for so many things in this country, and I am just a just a, a flag-waving guy when it comes to the Olympics. There's a story, the 100-meter sprinter, Shikari Richardson, who has been suspended and will not be able to perform at the Olympic Games coming up because she smoked pot. Okay. And I want to make this a G-rated show here because at the end of the day here, kids watch the show, and I don't want to make it a show that, you know, you have to pull it out of the sewer. So I think you'll understand where I'm going when I say this. I just really don't know what the IOC, Team USA, and I guess maybe it's because we're in this different landscape in our country where certain things are acceptable. I'm going to make it very clear here. I do not believe that transgender people should be playing in women's sports. Now, I also believe this. We should not segregate or we should not denigrate any person for who they are in this world. I am one of the absolute people that will stand on a podium for anybody's equal rights. Transgender has every opportunity to win a gold medal. You have every opportunity to be president of the United States. I don't care. I would never in any way be somebody that discriminates against somebody. I would never do that. And nor do I think anyone should. That being said, so Shikari Richardson is being suspended because she smoked weed. But transgender people can compete in women's sports. I'm not understanding the IOC's recommendations or determinations on what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. One of the most debated things right now in America is women's sports. Do you know the tough hill that women's sports has had to climb to get where they are today? It's incredible. And maybe I'm a little bit more, how about this? Maybe I'm more in keen with it now than I was maybe 20 years ago because I have a daughter now. I don't want my daughter competing against a guy who was born a dude and then now all of a sudden wants to be in women's sports. Women's sports have struggled so much to get where they are now and get a small piece of the pie. It's unfair. Look at women's soccer. Women's soccer has carried the torch in this country and beautifully with the way that they have dominated the world. Do they have equal pay against the men who have never dominated in any way whatsoever the soccer world, ever? They're, they're like, if you were ranking them in the top 25 college football teams, they're like 29. They're nowhere in the world scene when it comes to putting a world team together. Maybe this is the best team. We'll see in the Olympic Games. I don't know. They didn't even make the last World Cup. So my point is, women's sports have struggled. How in the world do you think it's okay for a genetically born man to call himself a woman and then compete in women's sports? And once again, do I think we should have separate events for transgender in the Olympic Games? Absolutely. You want to do that? I don't care. I have no problem with that. But why invade in women's sports? You're kicking this girl out, Shikari Richardson, because she smoked weed? Jesus, criminy, really? 
My problem with that whole thing is her decision-making going into the Olympic trials. Not the fact she smoked pot. It's her, it's her decision-making. It's her discipline that I'm dis- disappointed in. But then when you look at the other vehicles that are going against women's sports, now you add this component into it. Who were the people that actually thought that was a good idea and legislated that in that you could compete in women's sports? I find it preposterous. And you know what you get automatically when you say stuff like this? You're like a homophobe or you hate transgenders. That's not the case. That's not anything. And I want that to be very clear here. That's not the case. I think they have every right to win an Olympic gold medal. Every right. No problem. But I don't think you have the right to go in women's sports and put that on women as another roadblock for them to try to jump over. You know what's funny? I... I, I even tweeted Martina Navratilova on my Twitter page at Dan Silio Show, and I asked her if she thought this was fair. You know what she said? She goes, I'm not sure. You know what she wants to say? Because lesbians and gay guys and everyone, they're in a tough position because you don't want to exclude. But what you do also want to do is protect your sport or women's sports. I think it's a really tough debate. I don't have the answers. I'm coming from a heterosexual position in this. So again, us sitting around, and can you imagine this? Heterosexual people are making decisions on this. I mean, I don't, I don't know. And I saw that when she got suspended and she wasn't even invited on the 4x100 relay team. I thought to myself, I go, wow, over weed? You know, we just got through talking about Josh Gordon yesterday. And Josh Gordon and all of his failed drug tests that he's had with marijuana, I, don't, I, I, I just think it's a lack of discipline on his end. And I, and I said to you, I don't have a problem with Josh Gordon smoking pot. I have a problem with Josh Gordon not being disciplined enough to do this. Hey, man, I got 16 games I got to get through. I'm not going to smoke weed during that time that consumes the 16 games. And I'll smoke my rear end off when the season's over. And we'll go from there. I would have more respect for that. I'm not going to not draft a guy that had an issue smoking pot. Like, look at a honey badger. Honey badger, what was it? Like seven tests that he failed when he was at LSU? And people tried holding that against him when he got put into the NFL draft. Cost him a Heisman Trophy candidate opportunity when he was at LSU over weed? Sorry. Okay, that's something I'm not going to hold against a kid. I will hold decision-making against the kid not going to sit here and hold the fact that he is a pot smoker i would make this point to you if the nfl was anything like they are right now when it comes to weed ricky williams the former miami dolphin and new orleans states running back might be in the pro football hall of fame instead of breaking his stones every year over smoking pot maybe williams maybe he was in the foresight that know that that was a better way of managing his pain I told you this before. You know what's crazy? Think about this for a second, too, in the NFL. So they'll give you Percocets and Percodans to dope your ass up like a junkie so that they can get your ass on the field. Performance enhancing? You think cortisone shots? Have you ever had one? 
cortisone shots is performance enhancing. If it allows you to go out there and play and you're injured, that's performance enhancing also. So think of this for a second. One year, my rookie year, I had two cortisone shots, which was way over the line. And I'm taking Percocets and Percodents. I'm like a junkie in my rookie year. I didn't know if I had concussions or not. I didn't know if I was seriously injured. I couldn't feel anything. But if you have an opportunity now to have an alternative, I'm for this too, by the way, CBD oils and all of that, anything that doesn't attack your liver, I am 100% for. You know, when you take pills, and not to go into the weeds here on you, but when you take pills and you take Percocets or Valiums or any of these things, they go through your liver 50 times. When you take an injectable, goes once. Goes once. Or when you smoke, it's in your system once. You're not attacking your liver. Liver disease with pro football players is one of the number one reasons that you see the demise of many of your heroes and superstars when they get older is because of all the abuse that they had when it came to staying on the football field. So, you know, it. I've been watching this story, and I'm thinking to myself, we had Christine Brennan on the other day, and I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, man, why are we so stuck in the mud on pot? It, the, the negative connotations that are surrounding weed, they dwarf in comparison to what the damage that cigarette smoking has done or cigar smoking. But yet, that's like, the outlier drug that everyone always go, well, if you know you start smoking that, you're going to be a crackhead. You're like, dude, that's not the case. Especially when you're coming down on the side of trying to find something that could be an alternative to using drugs and hard drugs. Like, did we not just watch what has been going on over the last couple of years in this country with the opioid pandemic that we've had in this, we had a pandemic before COVID-19. You know what that was? You know, the oxycodone issue that we had in this country. You know, we, we get all of our medicine from China. They doped our country up on that stuff. CVS and all these companies and all these people that were putting out these, the, these oxycodones, they were get, turning Americans into junkies. Who wants that? Come up with an alternative, man. This all leads to, I think it's going to be more a debated thing on whether or not the, o, the IOC is going to sit around any longer and really drug test for pot. Why? It's not performance enhancing. Have you ever smoked pot? <laughs> if anything, man, you're looking for a bag of Cheetos. You're not looking to sit there and think, hey, man, if I smoke three joints, you know what? This will make me faster. No. That's three Anadrol 50s will make you faster. We're talking about PEDs versus smoke, smoking pot. Come on, man. So that case, that case is weird. They won't debate transgenders in women's sports, but they'll debate and keep someone down and not allow to reach your dream because you smoke pot. I think that's an F for Team USA and the Olympic cause. Okay. Be more progressive. Stop being afraid. All right. I said to you, we're two weeks out from the start of the NFL camps and the Steelers and Cowboys are getting ready to tee it up and get ready for the Hall of Fame game. 
Has anyone heard anything out of the Sean Watson camp? I want to show you, you know, I've been getting on the last couple of days a little bit on how the Philadelphia Eagles have kind of unraveled over the last three years in their front office. Let me show you a front office that has never been together and has never really gotten it right when it comes to being a culture that you wanted to play at. I get why Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be there. It's a Harry Carey culture. And what I mean by that, it's all over the place. You're two weeks into your season or getting ready for your season, and you don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. Have you already told Tyrod Taylor he's going to be the starter going into 2021? What's the latest on Deshaun Watson? Does the team know what and who's going to be leading them going into September? Do you have any idea? I know I don't. By the way, that dumbass agent of his, David Magula, I tweeted at him about four months ago. You know what he did? I thought he was going to embarrass me. He did a little bit. If you go over and you tweet that or you Google it, you'll see that, well, Deshaun Watson has never said he's not going to show up to organized team activities, and he's not going to show up to mini camps. Well, he never did, and I was right. I was right. He was dead wrong. Deshaun Watson, get this, he ended up blocking me, and I'm a fan of his because you know why? I kept asking the agent, what's the latest? What's the latest? I have never said a disparaging comment towards Deshaun Watson, but he blocked me yesterday. Or maybe it was before that because I never really checked until somebody said something to me. And I was like, you blocked me for what? for asking your agent what the latest is in your case. And like I said, I have been a fan of his. So because I went after the agent, Deshaun got a little bit, I guess, I don't know, peeved. Maybe he was nervous. Maybe it kept showing up on his timeline. He did. I don't know. It's funny. I got his cell phone number. Maybe I should text him. And ask him. I do have a cell phone number. And maybe I should ask him because I've never spoken to him, but once when he, I, I think I did when he was in college at Clemson. And great conversation with him. But because of what's going on with the sexual assault allegations and these civil cases, we don't know where it's going here. And you know what? Is this by design by the Texans? Is this by design by the league? Have you ever in your life, with a case that's got 22 women who are accusing Deshaun Watson of sexual misconduct, think of that again, I just said it, sexual misconduct, have you ever seen the NFL sit on their hands like this? I've never. I think the NFL is afraid of undermining the value of the player if they do anything publicly. Now, maybe they're saying something privately. Rusty Harden, Deshaun Watson's agent, has said nothing over the last two months. This, 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 this guy, Busby, who's the, um, who's the attorney for all of these women, he, he said nothing either. So that leads me to believe that there's settlements that are being negotiated between the two parties. Will he be suspended? Look, I'm just I'm throwing things against the wall here. I don't know. 
because the league has left it out there. But my point again is to the Texans. If you're if you're sitting there and you're looking at the new coach, Cully, he goes in there and you're like, okay, I don't even know if my quarterback's going to be available to me in September for the opener. I mean, I believe they play the Jaguars. You don't know if your guy who you just gave, and know this, who you just gave a year ago, a $38 million per year contract is going to be in a Texans uniform. You talk about a crappy organization, lack of communication, awful environment. Who in their right mind as a potential free agent would want to go into that cesspool and play on a team that you don't even know who your leader is going into September? I mean, it, you talk about just a disaster of a franchise. The Houston Texans are your poster child for that comment. I mean, where are they going? The, and, and, and get this, the NFL is right there next to them as they're sitting there going through this process. The league doesn't want to do anything. I've never seen the NFL not get out. Did they get out in front of Ray Rice? They jumped out in front of that thing quick, right? Remember they got criticized because they only suspended him for two games? Then the public outcry came, wait a minute. You get more of a suspension. Here's the pot thing again. Watch this. You get a four-game suspension for smoking weed. But if you hit Mary Jane, you only get two games? I used to make that as an as a awful joke. So you can smoke Mary Jane, but you – but again, you, could, you can't smoke Mary Jane, but you can hit her. Okay, you get four games for pot, two games for domestic violence. It used to be that. Now that's called the Ray Rice rule, right? Put you on that infamous commissioner's exempt list, whatever that is. I guess that's in the lower drawer somewhere in Goodell's office. Makes absolute no sense. Man, the Texans are poorly run. That is an awful, an awful organization. And they need to right the ship. But then again, the McNair's own it now. Bob McNair's no longer in the building. It's his son, Cal McNair. Man. No wonder Deshaun Watson wants the hell out of there. I find it really odd, too. So 18 months ago, you signed that guy to a $38 million a year contract, and all of a sudden now, without doing any due diligence on whether or not the guy's got character, you give him that money, and now you're sitting here going, gee, uh, maybe it was a mistake. No, you didn't do your homework. You didn't do the proper things that it took to look and investigate whether or not you really wanted to give the keys of your franchise to him. That's in case or in light of if these allegations are true. All right. I want to take a brief time out. We're going to talk with our friend Howard Balzer. We'll get his thoughts on all of this and all the things as we lead into two weeks from training camp starting up for the Cowboys and Steelers. We'll do that next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show, you boy Dan Silio. Once again, I want to make it very clear what I said about Shikari and that dilemma, okay? I'm not discriminating against anybody. I think everybody has a right to reach everyone's goal here, okay? Everyone. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care what your sexuality is. But I do believe at the end of the day, I do believe that you have to do things fairly here. So we'll get off that topic there and We'll dive into some of the other things that are going on, especially this weekend. I can't wait for UFC 264 with Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. I'll say this to you. If the rich Conor McGregor shows up this weekend, Dustin Poirier will wipe the floor with him, and he'll destroy him in the octagon. He will. But if the Conor McGregor that we know from the past that had to grind to shine, and he was that guy, and he gets it and gives it one more shot at a chance for greatness, which he has it in him. I'm telling you, when you have a lot of money and you put a lot of money in the bank, at the end of the day, do you want to get choked out, 
potentially. Do you want to bleed? Do you want to get your ass in the octagon? And do you want to do all those things? We're going to find out this weekend. You know, personally, I think Dana White has done a spectacular job at how he's run UFC during the pandemic. You know, I broke I broached this yesterday a little bit. And I just love the fact we were talking with Kevin Ioli yesterday from Yahoo Sports. And I just love that Dana White just went like this, the commissioner. He just said, hey, man, you know what? End of the day here, man. I don't care what you think. I don't give a rat's ass on what people think about how I'm going forward with my league. This guy ends up renting out an island. You know, he hosts many of the places from his gym or the events from his gym in Vegas. He didn't care. He was not going to have politicians run his organization into the ground. Did we not see what politicians tried to do to college football? You see, you couldn't do that to the NFL owners. You just couldn't. All right, we'll stop there. We're two weeks away. Only guy I could talk to is our dear friend, Howard Balzer. And can you believe it, Howard? We're two (laughs) weeks away from the start of the NFL season. And I I, I can't wait to see what Canton's going to look like, too. Am am I right when I say this, Howard, that they're going to combine the classes of last year and the year before so that, you know, they could get a chance to get up there and do their induction speeches. I know Jimmy's going and Jimmy's going to have, um, I think it's Troy Aikman is going to introduce him. I think Terry Bradshaw is involved in that as well. Um, uh, it, it, am I right when I say that, that that's how the ceremonies are going to go down? Yes, uh, that's exactly right, uh, Dan. And what, what's really going to be crowded, which I think is one of the great things of the weekend, is the gold jacket dinner on Friday night when the players put on the gold jacket for the first time. And then, of course, a lot of people don't know this. They give it back, and they don't see it again until the next day because they're afraid if the player wears it, he'll spill something on it or whatever, and it'll have to be dry cleaned. But that happens on Friday night. And usually there's eight guys to you know, to, to, to get the gold jackets. Now you have the, whatever it is. I, I've lost count almost, 28. Now here's the thing. So that's going to be a very busy night. I'm wondering if they're going to start it earlier. Nine of the posthumous members of each class were already enshrined the night before the draft in April. They had a special celebration at Canton. It was actually televised on NFL Network at the end of the draft. And so they did that then. That included eight people from the centennial class and one from this year's class, which is Bill Nunn Jr., uh, the longtime great scout with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, those families will still be in Canton and honored and be part of the celebration, but they they won't technically be part of the actual enshrinement. So on Saturday will be the remaining, I guess it'll be 12 living people from the centennial class on Saturday, and then the seven from this year's class, not including Bill Nunn, on Sunday. So yes, there's going to be a an enshrinement on Saturday and an enshrinement on Sunday, plus, of course, as I mentioned, the gold jacket dinner on Thursday. So it's going to be a jam-packed weekend. And let me tell you this, Canton is not a big town. (laughs) And and they have issues every year with all these people coming in and the families and and everybody just finding hotel rooms for everybody. Well, imagine what it's going to be this weekend. The media is staying about, instead of in Canton, about 15 minutes away in Akron. Uh, because of all the hotels 
uh, on all the people taking up so many rooms. So, like I said, it's going to be a crowded weekend, but a spectacular one for sure. Howard, have they changed that rule that if you're getting the award posthumously that the families don't get the jacket and, and the rings? I mean, have they changed that rule or is that still in place? Because I know the Stabler family and I know that I've talked to the Sale family too, right. that that was an issue with them that you know, they didn't get a ring, nor did they get a chance to have the jacket. Have they changed that? I know they haven't changed it on the jacket. I'm not sure if they've changed it uh, on the ring or not. And I, I understand both sides of the debate, and the families think that it should happen. The Hall of Fame doesn't want to get involved sometimes what could be family squabbles. Uh, who, you know, who gets the jacket? I get it. Who, who gets the ring? You know, when someone's living, they get it all, right? But when they're not, then who gets it? And so they just they just don't want to have to be a part of that. And so that and it became front and center with Seau, uh, with uh, when his daughter spoke up about it. It became you know a pretty big story. And then of course it happened uh, with Stabler also. And so what they do is they have and they unveiled this in April for the posthumous guy. They 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 create this. I don't know what to call it. It's not a, a framed memento that has pictures of the player and the Hall of Fame crest, which would be on the jacket if the guy got a jacket. And so they give that. Now, who gets that? Where it's on display, who knows? But it, it's not the same as, you know, a jacket hanging in someone's closet or a ring that, you know, a lot of the Hall of Famers come back. And I don't know if they how much they wear their rings during a, during a calendar year, but I know a lot of them wear that ring when they come back to Canton each year. Howard, I asked Jason Cole, who is a Hall of Fame voter like yourself, this question, and it was it was pretty interesting on how he answered it, and he actually threw it out there. I'm going to ask you this question, and it's, I, I think it's probably going to be a little touchy for you as well. Yeah. You know, the what was that? What did you call that committee? It was a blue ribbon? It was for the Centennial guys. Yeah, it was called that, a blue ribbon committee. Yes. Okay. J Jason hinted. And with me helping, obviously, he okay, he hinted that the way that Cower and Johnson were put into the Hall of Fame, they did it on TV. Right. And it was by the Blue Ribbon Committee, not guys like yourself, who were the staples of putting these men and the caretakers of the Hall of Fame. I, then I asked, do you think this was done at the pressure of the networks to get a guy like Cower and Jimmy into the hall. Because when you look at Jimmy's record, and by the way, you know my relationship with yeah. him. I love the man. Doesn't have 100 wins, okay? I mean, there's guys that, again, are sitting there waiting. And I'm not saying that Coach is not a legendary coach. He is. Then you look at Cower, and I look at Bill Cower, and I go like this. I don't know. Mike Tomlin's done more than him. I, I, I mean, if you think that Bill Cower's a Hall of Fame coach, really? Okay, I think Bill Cower is a really fine coach. A Hall of Fame coach, Pittsburgh Steelers, I get it. He's on TV at CBS. You think the networks had some pressure put on the Hall of Fame, this Blue Ribbon Committee, to get these guys into the Hall of Fame? I've wondered about it. I, I would hate to think that it's actually true, but I've wondered about it. And just to you know, totally be frank on the record, I believe, I'm believe i pretty sure there were 25 people on the Blue Ribbon Committee, eight of them either eight or nine were members of the selection committee of which I'm a part of. 
but that's only eight of 25. Wow. I think it, I think it was notable that in previous years, a coach like Don Coriel had been a finalist in the regular process. And that was a finalist when you went up against players. Now there's a separate coach category. But he was a finalist of the 15 going against players. And he was a finalist five or six times. And no one can quarrel. Now, granted, his teams with with St. Louis Cardinals and San Diego Chargers didn't make a Super Bowl. But you could argue that in terms of impact on the game, that he might have had one of the greatest, certainly the greatest impact on today's game, the way it's played, than any other coach in the last five decades. Let with, me throw this at you, too. Not only offensively, Dan, but defensively. With Bill Walsh, all of a sudden, when he, he, they put three and four receivers out there, empty backfields and all this stuff, well, that changed the way defense is played, moving more to the rotational guys and nickelbacks and all those things. And yet Don Coriel doesn't go into – that centennial class, and also gets jumped by Tom Flores, uh, la- you know, last year by the coaches uh, committee. So a lot of times things happen that some of us say, "Hmm, how did that occur?" But it's it's kind of the way it is. But I, I definitely, in answer to your first question, definitely wondered if there was some of that impact for those two guys jumping over other coaches that had been discussed and talked about many times in the past, but still have not been enshrined. Do you think that Marty Schottenheimer and Dick Vermeil are better coaches than Bill Cowher? I, I think overall, yes. And I'll say it for this reason. And I think Bill Cowher is a heck of a coach. No question. Right. By the way, I'm not really throwing shade. I'm talking more about not. this process here. I think Bill, hey, you know what? No, no issues with him being in the hall. I'm just talking about the process here, Howard, and how right. he was put in. No, no, I agree 100% with, with that aspect of it. And so I just wanted to be, be on what I'm saying, too. But Dick Vermeil and Marty Schottenheimer, what was, to me, signature about them is that wherever they went, they not only were excellent coaches, but turned programs around that weren't very good before it. Dick Vermeil, with the Eagles and the Rams, turned about turned around franchises that had been horrible for almost an entire decade. And by the third year, we're in a Super Bowl. And then he went to Kansas City. The Chiefs weren't as bad as those previous two, but they had been mediocre several years before that. And and in the third year there, they were only a couple steps away from making uh, the Super Bowl. So I think that has to be considered. Let's be honest. Jimmy Johnson wasn't, wasn't successful in Miami. Tom Flores bombed in Seattle when he went there. Marty Schottenheimer didn't bomb anywhere. Dick Vermeil didn't bomb anywhere. Marty, unfortunately, has that stigma of not being very good in the postseason, which I think I think we've talked about this before, where we put so much on winning that we, we don't overall look at it. Well, once you get to the postseason, you're playing, you're coaching or playing against the best. And somebody has to lose. And I don't think that should be held against someone. Now, granted, if you're comparing one guy to another and one team is one, well, sometimes they just have the better players and or they've lost, you know, they lose to, to better teams. I mean, what the heck? Peyton Manning with the Colts was a part of one Super Bowl winner because they're always losing to the Patriots. I mean, is that, is that a knock on Peyton Manning? No, it's, it's just the way sports is uh, at times. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on those two guys. You could put Mike Holmgren in the conversation. A lot of people think Dan Reeves 
should be discussed a lot more seriously. There's definitely some some coaches that deserve deserve to be in, and I believe that's why Dan they've created this coach category because it was v- separate because it was very hard for a coach to get in when they're taking away a spot in the final 15 from a player. Now a coach isn't taking a spot from anyone. So we're going to see some of these guys who have been deserving to, you know, start getting in, in these upcoming years. couple questions here on what's going on in the NFL here now too. You know, now I find out that Josh Allen hasn't been vaccinated along with Cole Beasley. And how about this one too? Dak Prescott, as we mentioned the last time has not been vaccinated. I don't know how the NFL is going to handle this, Howard. I mean, you know, you're talking about signature guys, yeah. and then you're making the fans get vaccinated going into some of these facilities around the country. How are you going to sell that to the fans? And yet you're talking about some of your signature faces not being vaccinated and basically on the side of the anti-vaccination. I mean, I mean could this obviously stop also uh, Josh Allen's contract from getting done here? Cole Beasley said he, he might not play. I mean, this is quite a distraction going into the season, especially on the heels of what we're seeing in Tokyo right now with an no. emergency lockdown. So it's got to put the NFL on blast, no? It, it definitely does. And the NFL is pretty much mandated that all Tier 1 and Tier 2 personnel in the NFL, which is anybody that comes in contact with a player, and those are whether it's PR people, whether it's coaches, whatever it is, they, they have to be mandated. They have to be vaccinated. Now, of course, those guys aren't in a union. And so that, you know, the interesting thing about Cole Beasley is, okay, it's one thing to say, I don't believe in vaccinations. It's another thing to throw stones at the NFLPA, because if it wasn't for the NFLPA, the NFL would be telling all players, you have to be vaccinated. So, so he's criticizing a union that stood up for players' rights. But the union does be, believe that players should be vaccinated. And here's where it'll become an issue. It will become an issue when one of these star players tests positive on a Thursday or whatever day it might be, and then they can't play on Sunday. Then we'll see what happens. If they were unvaccinated, if they had been vaccinated, they might be able to play or they wouldn't be tested as much. But those guys that aren't vaccinated, they're going to be tested every day. They can't eat meals with their teammates. When they go on the road uh, during the season, they, they're not allowed out of their hotel room. During bye weeks, they can't go home. They have to stay in the city where they are and still go to the facility and be tested every day. So I wonder some of these guys, when they realize that this is going to be the same as it was last year for everybody, that they're going to say, hey, I better get vaccinated. And it'll hurt my team if I test positive through no fault of their own. Who knows who they come in contact with outside uh, the facility? So that's where it'll be a real issue, especially if it's a name player that has to miss a game. I mean, we saw Chris Paul in the NBA uh, miss, you know, miss a couple games, and it would have been more if the Suns didn't have a week off between their previous series and the one, when the next one started. And he had been vaccinated, but the NBA protocols were were a little bit different, and he still had to, you know, quarantine. Well, and, and he wasn't the same player when he came back either. I mean, we saw Cam Newton last year when he was out for eleven or twelve days. He just wasn't the same player mentally and physically after that happened. When you can't do anything physical basically for you know a relatively extended period of time so i think that's where it'll really become a big story when when someone can't play and it hurts his team because he wasn't vaccinated 
Howard, I think there's a lot of things as we get ready for the upcoming season in two weeks here. Um, Cowboys and Steelers showing up in Canton there for the Hall of Fame game. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you doing this, man. My, my pleasure. Anytime, Dan. Always enjoy it. Take care. You got it. Howard Balzer from Sports Illustrated. We really appreciate that. One of my favorite sports talk guys in the history of the profession is Howard Eskin. And I, let me tell you something, man. He is he, he is such a dear friend of the show. We text him prior to going on the air. Of course, he agreed. We'll do it next. We'll talk with Howard Eskin from WIP next in Philadelphia, right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. <laughs> Dan Cilio, National Football Show. There was only one guy that I could think of when I 
listen to Danny Green the other day taking shots at Sixers and Philly fans. I I I, I literally started laughing. I was like. This guy will never work another day in his life in Philadelphia with any kind of fan support in any way. I mean, what a dumb move. What an unbelievably poorly calculated move. There's only one guy I could think of, and I've got so much respect for this man. The legendary voice of Philadelphia, he is our friend Howard Eskin, and Howard joins us now here on the National Football Show. And I don't know, Howard – but um, <laughs> I don't know where Danny Green's going now after that comment. What'd you take it? What'd you make of that comment? Let's see if we can hook up with Howard here in a second here and see if we can get that all set up here and get um, our wires crossed here. Yeah. So just to set it up here. So Danny Green was throwing shots going, I wish Philadelphia fans were just a little bit more kinder. You know, to Ben Simmons, and maybe they could have a, this is how I heard it. Maybe it's more so it's how I heard it than what actually Danny because I, I tell you, I, I I probably heard it the same way the Philly fan heard it. And I'm doing it sarcastically here. Maybe like Philly fan could be a little bit more, you know, kinder to Ben and maybe be more supportive. Dude, you know when that kind of conversation takes place? When you're talking about a kid in high school and you're like going to a high school basketball game and you're like, hey, man, let's be supportive of our local high school kids here. You know, let's let, let's give them as much encouragement as we possibly. You talk like that when you're talking to like junior football and junior basketball guys. You don't talk to guys like that that are making $300 million in a contract you don't talk to a guy like that that's making $300,000 a night, and you say, well, I hope you're more supportive. You're more supportive? Bro, you're making three hundred grand a night. Not going to sit here and be more supportive on a guy that throws bricks against the backboard. It's not where we're going here, man. And I, I can just imagine, and the first guy I thought of was Howard Eskin, man. Howard, that's the first thing I thought of was you with Danny Green. I'm going... Hey, maybe Philly fan could be a little bit more supportive of the dude. And I was going like, I've got to get Howard on because, dude, you, you talk like that to high school basketball players. You don't talk like that to NBA guys. Thanks so much for doing it. Just your spin on it, Howard. All right. Well, number one, he's defending probably the biggest fraud of an athlete in Philadelphia in the last, I would say, at least, well, five years since he's been in the league. And that's Ben Simmons, a total fraud dismissive, uh, uh, lazy because he won't work with coaches, and you're going to defend this guy. For these fans, putting up with Ben Simmons for five years, not reaching the potential, and I think the expectations were way too high. Heck, he had a losing team at LSU, and he's supposed to be a star. He shouldn't have been the number one pick. It should have been Brandon Ingram, but that's past history. But the fans in Philadelphia called me a hater of course, for the last at least few years, I've criticized him and said the 76ers will never win a championship with Ben Simmons. And then the fans finally realized I, there's one area in which I was wrong. I said that Ben Simmons and I'll get to Danny Green in a second. I said that Ben Simmons was the only guy in the NBA that wouldn't take a 13 foot jump shot. I was wrong. He's the only guy in the NBA who won't take a dunk, uh, <laughs> who won't dunk the ball. 
<laughs> because he's afraid he's going to get fouled from behind. Uh, and Danny Green has to defend him. Danny Green didn't even finish the cup of coffee that he's had here in Philadelphia. And I don't think he's going to get uh, to finish it because it was a one-year deal. You know, he's okay as a role bench player. And they used him for a little more than that. He's trying to be nice, but you don't criticize the fans and tell them they got to be behind you when the player's not doing his best to be his best. And that was a total mistake. Not only do the fans now want Ben Simmons out of here, they want Danny Green out of here. And if they're both out of here, the team's going to be no worse off than they were before. And without Ben Simmons, I think it's addition by subtraction. But for Danny Green to say, what a moron. I mean, he's just a total dope for saying that. And obviously, he doesn't understand Philadelphia. He doesn't understand these fans who put up with a lot. Uh, and uh, he just got to shut his mouth and finish that cup of coffee somewhere else because it won't be here. <laughs> I'll tell you what, too, Howard. I made this comment yesterday about the situation in Philly with him. I go, I was very critical of Lamar Jackson. I said this, that guy will never be in this league in five years. You know what that kid did? He went out in the offseason, worked his ass off, came back the next year, led the NFL in touchdown passes. He was a pro bowler. He's won 80% of his games. And I went like this. That kid right there is a prime example of somebody who I thought was not going to get better at that position who's getting better. You know why? He works at his craft. Who was ever telling Ben Simmons that he's a great player? I mean, maybe this is an organizational thing too, Howard, maybe because you're closer than I am. I'm looking at it from 30,000 feet. I mean, what have they been telling him for the last couple of years? I mean, it doesn't look like he's worked at his game. It looks like he's regressed in his game. How much is Doc accountable also for this whole scenario and this situation? Or is Doc, well, is Doc off to the side on this? All right, well, let me just tell you, it's no longer Doc Rivers in Philadelphia. It's Glenn Rivers in Philadelphia. He does deserve the name of Doc uh, because that's Julia serving. All right, so let's move. Doc Rivers is no longer Doc Rivers. He's Glenn Rivers, all right? Uh, Brett uh, Brett Brown, the last coach, nice guy, but unfortunately was friends with Ben Simmons' father, and he was an enabler. Now, Doc Rivers is stepped to be the Ben Abler because he just tell, told the people of Philadelphia it was nauseating when, when Glenn Rivers said, you guys just don't understand. Ben Simmons is a traitor, and you guys just don't get it. You just don't know basketball if you don't understand that. Well, I do know this. Glenn Rivers has lost 23 consecutive deciding games. Glenn Rivers has lost four straight uh, seven-game series. So Glenn Rivers just better pipe down, and he's not, not going to be gift-wrapped the championship like he was in 2008 with the Boston Celtics when they had a great lineup when Danny Ainge put together a great roster. He's now got a coach, all right? Uh, and, and if he doesn't do that, and, stop, and he doesn't enable Ben Simmons. I, by the way, I have a new neck, nickname for Ben Simmons in the last couple of years. It's Benjamin. It's Benjamin without the J because he doesn't have a J. So I just took it out of his name. Uh, so, But Doc Rivers, excuse me, Glenn Rivers, will tell you how great he is and he's a facilitator. If you look at his assists, he basically hands it off 
and he passes the ball because he's afraid to go to the basket because he doesn't want to get fouled. So he just throws it back. And if a guy hits a jump shot from three, he gets an assist. He's not like Trey Young. There's a lot of good, good player. I mean, Chris Paul, you can't compare him to Chris Paul, especially not because of the final situation. But the reality is, Benjamin just doesn't do the things you need to win. And for Glenn Rivers to tell us how wonderful he is, uh, you know, I, I might put both those guys in the fraud category. I already have Simmons, and I might put Glenn Rivers in that fraud category. <clears throat> they had the best chance of getting to the finals this year. I don't think they're going to get there next year. I mean, Joel Embiid is a terrific player. Doesn't stay healthy. And he can't give you 38 minutes a game without being just in the fourth quarter. So that's a little bit of an issue. Is he a really, really, really good player? Yes. But the problem here in Philadelphia is Ben Simmons uh, anointed himself the defensive player of the year. The guard hasn't won since 1996. Gary Payton won one year. And even Michael Jordan, who was a great defender, only won one year the year before that. And then Joe Embiid said he was the MVP. Can't be MVP when you miss 20 games. And then Jokic plays every game of the year and is basically an assist away from a triple-double for a center. Uh, it's, so these guys just and, – and the fans here allowed it. So for Danny Green to, to criticize the fans for kissing their rear end and kissing it all the time, and they get both cheeks too. They just don't do one cheek. They do both cheeks here in Philadelphia. <laughs> and to do that and, and him criticize him and then Doc – excuse me – Glenn Rivers, it's going to be hard to change that. And I know uh, Julius Irving so well. It's just terrible to call another guy Doc in Philadelphia. Glenn Rivers has got to just coach, not tell us he's a treasure. And if Ben Simmons is here with the Sixers this year, these fans will go ballistic. As soon as he comes out on the court the first game, they'll let him have it. As soon as he misses his first free throw, and we know that's going to happen, They'll let him have it. And it's just a bad look. He went out and bought a home in L.A. for $17.5 million. Okay, that's fine. He, he has the right, and that's what he cares about is his money. And that's really all he cares about is his money. So do that is fine. But to now go with his newfound go- girlfriend, I don't know if they found themselves on the Internet. I don't know what happened. Instagram. But to go to Wimbledon when he's supposed to – oh, yeah, yeah, it's all social media. He he's loves social media. But for, to maybe do it's one that, of Deshaun Watson's. Maybe one of the. Hey, 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 Howard, maybe it's a, one of Deshaun Watson's, uh, you know, things. I don't know. I'm just throwing that in there. Please continue. But you're supposed to give the people a good look and to be front and center when you're supposed to be working on your basketball skills. And I will tell you this Ben Simmons, for the five years he's been here, has not spent one minute team facility in the off season working wow. on his game. And I know Giannis and, and, and I know Giannis cause I know people with the box. He's in there every off season working to try to get better at everything he does. But Benjamin hasn't been in their facility ever in the off season until they're required to come in. It's, it's terrible. It's, they can't win. The Sixers can't win with him. Just can't win. Uh, and I don't know if they can win with Glenn Rivers. But there's a lot of issues here. And Danny Green just compounded all that nonsense uh, with what he said. 
Danny, just understand what Philadelphia is before you start spouting off. That's that, like that's my message to him. And finish just a cup of coffee. Do it. <laughs> let, let, let me get into um, the Eagles here a little bit. Merrill Reese got in trouble on my program when he said that there was going to be a um, a trade between the Buffalo Bills and the Eagles, and it looks like it's intimate and. All of a sudden, he started getting hammered. He even called me, and I was like, hey, man, you, I asked you the question. You're the one that said that there was a deal on the table here. Let me ask you, why did that relationship fall apart, Howard, between Ertz? And I get the injuries. I get it. Is it truly over just money on what ended up falling apart there at the end? Well, they got another tight end in Dallas Goddard, who's going to be the number one guy. I, I, I think – I love Zach Ertz. I love what he brought to the locker room. I love what he brought to the field. But he's been injured the last two years, and he's making a lot of money. And the Eagles tried hard. And, you know, and I, I assume Zach's agent put it out there that there was all these trades. I know Buffalo really didn't – there really wasn't any talk. I, I mean, there's the normal. General managers talk to general managers and names come up. But there wasn't any serious talk. And the problem this year – with trading Zach Ertz, he makes $9 million a year. And the cap went down. That's a lot of money to pay a backup tight end. Buffalo's got a tight end. And I, I don't know that Zach Ertz could be a starter, and especially coming off of two, two straight seasons with injuries. Love the guy. Love what he did here. But it's just – that's what football is. You can't beat – and Zach's not old. He's only 30 years old. But you can't beat that part of football. Uh, when you when you start to get older and you start to have injuries, and now it was a bad year to try to fit in $9 million for any other team. Uh, if they got a sixth-round draft pick, it would be highway robbery, and that would be great for the Eagles if they got a sixth. But I don't know, because if a team trades for him, okay, you can redo his contract, but then you're going to have to guarantee him money next year. I don't think any team wants to do that at this point. I think what the Eagles are waiting for is possibly somebody to get hurt in camp and another team be desperate for a tight end. And then maybe you can get something for him. But the problem, again, and you're waiting for that. I'm not so sure Zach Ertz is going to report to camp because I just don't think there's any way he's going to be here this year. If he doesn't report, he gets fined. But then if he goes somewhere else, you know, the other team's not going to uh, – charging the fines, you know, not going to assess the fines for him. So uh, there's nothing close. And if it was, he would have been traded and they would have taken something for him. So I don't think it got stale. I think it's just it's fact of the business of football. And I think that's what it comes down to. Zach loves the area. His family moved here. I get all that. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's times you have to move on. I would not be shocked if after all this happens, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Eagles eventually just say, all right, we're going to have to release you and go where you want. And he's up in Indianapolis with Carson Wentz. That wouldn't shock me a little bit. Have to redo his contract, obviously. But he and Wentz are really, really tight, and they really work well together. So that wouldn't shock me if that happens in the end. But it's not going to be with a trade. It would have to be with a release and then the other team sign him. At least that's the way. Unless, again some other team comes up with an injury. Howard, I, um, Merrill Reese also said this. In his 50 years covering the team, he said that he has not seen a more electric guy on the football field. Now, again, you and I know this. It's helmets and shorts, dude. I mean, 
let's not get over our skis here a little bit. But he he is just absolutely taken by Devontae Smith and what it looks like he could become in this league. Now, my big criticism on this pick here is if you're going to take a wide out, man, you need to have the signal caller that can get him the ball. I mean, I don't care what that wide out is. If you don't have the guy that can get him the ball and he's an accurate guy, I mean, can a receiver help the quarterback? Yeah, but I always thought Montana helped Rice more so than the other way. Remember, Montana won that first Super Bowl, and there was no Jerry Rice on that 49ers team. There was Freddie Solomon and Henry Cooper and them dudes. Montana helped that progression of that guy and that player and Jerry Rice. How do you see this thing here? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of hype around Devontae Smith. Do you, are you as high on him? Well, let me just address one of the things you said. I think Montana is the GOAT. You can take me Tom too. Brady in today's game, and you can give me Tom Brady all you want because there's two Super Bowls he didn't win. Atlanta lost one, and Seattle lost one. So I don't, And he played in a division, the worst division in football, so they always got a bye every year. So the reality is that's one thing. All right, so I addressed the Montana, but that's not what you I think Devontae Smith will be really exciting, uh, lightning. Boy, I, I, I watch him, you know, without a uniform on and just shorts. His <laughs> legs are toothpicks. Guy, so, so tiny, but he's fast. He's the Sean Jackson uh, speed-wise, although the Sean was great. But the Sean got hurt later in his career. For three years, I think Devontae Smith is going to be a really, really exciting player. But you got to worry about a guy that small. And people say, oh, he can gain weight. Guys like that, a lot of times, just don't gain weight. You know, Deshaun Jackson never gained weight. So I uh, I think he's going to be really exciting. But you're right about the quarterback. And the quarterback's got to make good throws. He's got to make good reads. And if the other doubles him and they force – and I don't know about Jalen Hurts, and I don't think the Eagles know about Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's got to be able to, to read and get to his second and third progression, especially if they double – uh, Devontae Smith. So we'll see how that all works out. But Devontae Smith will be good. I mean, Merrill gets carried away sometimes. I love his enthusiasm and I love what he says a lot of time. Uh, and he's enthusiastic and energetic. And yeah, we only we didn't even see seven on sevens and 11 on 11s with the Eagles because the players extorted the coaching staff for them to come in. None of that stuff and only three weeks of camp. But we'll see in training camp when that starts the end of July and in August. We'll see a lot of those things. But he will be exciting. I will say that, Dan. Uh, Vontae Smith will be exciting. The only question I have is how many years can he stay healthy as small as as he is? But they, they, they needed a wide receiver because I don't know about Jalen Rager, and he better step up this year. So they have – and if the Eagles – I'll say this with the Eagles – I think if you have to look at the over-under, which is six and a half, I would take the over. They don't get on a plane the last eight weeks of the season, which is an advantage. Based Mm. on last year, the schedule's weak. However, when they play the Jets, it's towards the end, and Wilson may have developed into a pretty good quack by the time they play the New York Jets. Uh, Washington's going to be tough. I think the Giants are always going to stink because of the New York Giants. So, And I think (laughs) Daniel Jones is a fraud, too. But that kind of aside, I think they can win eight games. I do think they can win eight games. But the offensive line has to stay healthy. They have, if they're healthy, 
Lane Johnson would go from right to left. Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, which both were hurt last year. Jason Kelsey, who played every game but was hurt a lot last year. But he is so, so tough, and he's so good. Uh, and then you got some indecision on the left tackle between uh, Mylotta or and the former first-round draft pick, Dillard. So, but if they stay on the eye, I think they can be good. Uh, I I don't think they're going to win double-digit games, even though they're 17. Uh, but it could be an interesting season. And we'll see how Nick Sariani is. He's said he's ready. He's ready for Philadelphia. I, I'm telling you, Philadelphia, he'll win a game by two touchdowns. And some uh, some media person, I won't even say what I was going to some media person will question a play call or a decision he made in the game. Hey, man, he just won by two touchdowns. Everybody makes mistakes. I saw Bill Belichick, uh, you notice I said Belichick, uh, Bill Belichick uh, makes mistakes. Uh, everybody makes mistakes, even the best. And Andy Reid, oh, I think now, I think Andy Reid's the best coach in the NFL right now. Uh, but regardless of that, everybody makes mistakes. So we'll see how it plays out, but you got to have players. And the players have to be able to, to give you everything that they've got. Um, but I'm not, Devontae Smith is not the guy that I would be concerned about. I'm going to see what the quarterback can do. He had basically one and a half games that were good, a good part of one and a half games. He played four, and I want to see what he does uh, this year. Now he'll have a full camp. Uh, he'll have uh, better wide receiver, his offensive wide receivers with Devontae Smith. His offensive line will be healthy. So we'll see what he can do. But it, 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 could, be, it could be interesting. But the Washington Redskins, man, that defense is so good. And with Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's certainly, whether he plays 17 games or not is a question, but he's certainly better than what they had before. So we'll see. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, everything's up in the air with the Eagles. Uh, but it'd be, there'll be a lot of things to look at. How about this, Howard? Finally here with Doug Peterson. Do you think he's going to be next year one of the hot commodities out there? I know they want to throw Eric Bieniemy's name in that conversation too. I always say this about Bieniemy. I know why he hasn't been hired. Have you seen that that track record of his, that, that background of the, some of the things that went on with him as a player and some of the run-ins with the law. I mean, I, I, I don't know how owners get over that. And I think that's kind of been a, a roadblock for people to get by is some of the things that are in his past. And there's Doug Peterson with a Lombardi trophy. You know, he can always do this, and I'm going to use the bottle. He can always put, you know, the Lombardi trophy on that desk and go, hey, I won this. And nobody in Philadelphia, including Andy Reid, ever did this. I did this. You think he's going to be a hot candidate? Next year, maybe a place like Dallas, even too, if Mike McCarthy doesn't get it done. Well, you should have told me about the Lombardi trophy because I could have brought it out here and I would have had it for you so we could use that as a Lombardi trophy as a prop because I've got so uh, you know, you just give me a heads up next time. Next time, I want to see it for sure, dude. Um, I okay, all right, so so here's what I think. In the NFL now, you notice most of these teams have hired young coaches. They're only getting about three, three and a half million dollars for four or five years. If you hire a veteran guy, that's six years. He's making, he's still getting six and a half this year. For this year, he still has a year left on his contract. They're not hiring those guys anymore because if there's a mistake, you get rid of a guy after three years, you're still ahead of the game. 
because you're not paying them that much money. So, and you hope you find the next hot guy. As far as Biennemi, almost every coach that has come out of Andy Reid's staff has been a good coach in the NFL. He's like, well, I mean, the, the, uh, Ron Rivera. Uh, Ron Rivera was yes. with him for a while, and for a shorter time than uh, than Harbaugh has been with him. Sean McDermott has been with him. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some guys, but there's guys out there all over the place. And they're off of Andy Reid's tree. Tree. Bill Belichick hasn't had one coach uh, be real success in the NFL. And Vrabel wasn't a coach for him. He was a player for him, not a coach. So people say, oh, Mike Vrabel. No, 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 no. He didn't coach on his stick. So because Biennemi has got such good cachet, I mm. think he's. I think a team has got to get through the other issues that were there. And I think Mike Kafka, uh, who uh, Patrick Mahomes couldn't say enough good things about him at the Super Bowl, I remember. Uh, and Kafka is a sharp guy. And he's uh, he's right with the enemy. If the enemy left, then Kafka would have been the offensive coordinator. So they got some good people on that staff. And the enemy is probably going to be a good coach. But you're right. Teams probably have to overcome that. But teams aren't paying the big money anymore because if they make a mistake, it's easy enough for them to get to get out of that mistake. And, I mean, look at uh, what the Chargers, the Falcons, uh, the Eagles. Uh, there's probably another coach out there that's a young coach uh, that they got. Uh, and there'll be a new coach in Dallas sooner or later because they're not going to win with Mike McCarthy. Could own one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, are you kidding me? You're absolutely kidding me. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is, for one game, I want Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. Right now. Right now. I want him for one game, for just one game. Uh, but he couldn't win with him. So there'll be another coach there. And Jerry Jones doesn't care what people say. If he's going to find a good coach, he'll he'll find a way to get over it. If the enemy's a coach in the NFL, then he should be allowed to coach at a higher level, assuming that you don't lie about the situations and you tell everybody the truth, which the, what his name, uh, Jacksonville, they do. Um, with his uh, what special teams coach? Yes, Kawhi, the, the, the uh, Zach I mean, Smith coach in Jacksonville. Yes, right. The the uh, the weightlifting coach yeah, that came over from the, Iowa. The head coach is why do I forget his name? Uh, the Ohio State and Florida. I forget the head oh, coach. Oh, um, Urban Meyer. Uh, I went brain dead on the head coach there. Urban Meyer. I hey hey Howard. I got a name okay. for Urban Meyer. Uh, I call him. I call him the, Urban Liar. <laughs> and that's, uh, I'll tell you what, it's a good name for him. Hey, you, you tell me he didn't, he didn't know Aaron Hernandez was, uh, had problems when he was at Florida, going back to Florida. What do you have, 31 arrests of players when he was at the University 36 of arrests uh, in six whatever. years. If he'd have told the truth. If he would have told the truth about this guy, and people could have gotten through it, but once you lie, and I'll say, I've always said this about Roger Clemens, the truth will set you free. And Andy Pettit didn't tell the complete truth, but he told the truth. Uh, and it set him free. And he kind of separated himself from all that steroid stuff. If you tell the truth, you get a pass because you told the truth. And that's what teams to do. But I hope Eric Bianami gets a job because I think he's probably going to be a good coach somewhere. So just Absolutely. the fact that he came worked under Andy Reid.
and Andy loves me. Absolutely. Howard, it is always great that you take time for me like this. And thank you so much, brother. Thank you again. I love the stuff that's going on in Philly with you, too. Everybody, you know what? Everybody still makes Howard Eskin relevant. Anytime you drop some love or some science on people, they always want you back, man. I mean, you're still shaking it up there in Philly. Yeah, here, Thank you so you. much. Go ahead, say it. I'm gonna tell you. A, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. All right? Okay, Ben Simmons for a few years, uh, I, I, I did. He just wasn't good enough. So people called me a hater. One guy called up on the on the radio and called me and said, "You're a hater." I said. The first thing I said is, all right, when we get through all this, I said, I'm not a hater. I learned from coaches and, and about what he does and what he doesn't do. And I said, would you have taken James Harden, which was a chance for Ben Simmons, when he said, I'd rather have Ben Simmons. I said, I'm done. And then I told people <laughs> after the playoffs were over, I said, all you people that said that I would hate her, I said, I don't want an apology. I just want you to kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I leave, please drop the mic. Just drop the freaking mic. <laughs> Just drop the mic, Howard. Just drop the damn mic. I love you, dude. I'm gonna roll, man. Have a great weekend, Howard. I love this man. Thank you so much. That is my friend. You got it, man. Howard Eskin. Just drop the mic. I don't want it. Just kiss my ass. With that note, we take a time out here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Follow that up with Howard Eskin. He won't call. He won't call Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers any longer because that's reserved for Doctor J. And he calls him Glenn now. And and Ben Simmons, he's taking the J out of his name. <laughs> he doesn't have a J. And all the Philly fans. And by the way, see, here's the difference between Danny Green and Howard Eskin. Danny Green makes an idiotic comment towards Philly fans, okay? Howard Eskin goes, oh, so you wanted Ben Simmons over James Harden. Well, I don't want an apology. I just want you to kiss my ass. <laughs> that's, see, that's knowing the room, and that's appropriate. Because all the people, hey, because you know what that's called too, by the way? All kidding aside, that's called conviction in your beliefs that when you see something and you've been watching a sport, football, basketball, baseball, what have you, and you've been around coaches like Howard said, and you've learned from these guys on what they see in particular athletes and their characteristics. Here. When you see a lazy dude, you know when he's lazy, right? He's late to meetings, doesn't work out his game. It, it, it could be even in your own business, right? Guy shows up late, doesn't do the proper work that other people do. They don't put the, the hours in that's needed to be a better salesman or what have you. You, you could see it in your own business. People spot failure. More so than the question is evaluating whether or not that guy's got the intangible to become a superstar. And you see, Ben Simmons with the Sixers is okay with being okay. And then you dub yourself the best defensive guy in the league. And man, use that stuff for the media to call you that, not you calling your and calling and dubbing yourself that. Okay? You can't do that. Especially when you haven't won. Buys a house and met a chick on Instagram. All right, great. So you spend the majority of your time on Instagram trying to hook up. Then trying to hook up with somebody that could help your shot. That's the kind of people that you absolutely root against. Because you know why? Just showing up, man. Then he you know, shows up to his game, plays his 48, then jumps in his Ferrari. And he don't care about Philly. That guy doesn't care about his teammates. You know, it, it, quite frankly, you know all the hating that's going on with him? I could promise you this. 
that city knows now that he could care less what you think of him because basketball guys are spoiled. And maybe this is coming from a guy who's a little bit, I don't know, maybe I'm jealous of the NBA guys because you know why? Their contracts are guaranteed. You don't see NFL guys acting like these NBA dudes. The NFL guy, because you know why? His contract's not guaranteed. Okay, if you're a quarterback, sure, you got more economic freedom because you make a lot of money at that position. What about the other 52 guys that are on that roster? They don't have that economic freedom. You get cut, you don't get your contract. It's funny. You know, it's 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 like monopoly money. We're going to sign a guy to a five-year, $50 million contract. They cut you in the first year. You get that first year, and that's it. And maybe some signing bonus incentives that were attached to the to the contract. You don't get that deal. I signed a $3 million contract with the Buccaneers. I got two years of that bitch. I go, what about the other year? Oh, what do you think? You're a baseball or basketball guy? <laughs> it doesn't work in this sport. That's why the NFL has more economic freedom to be able to do some of the things that they do because they can just in guys. NBA, NBA guy goes like this. Get this. Who would have ever thought in their wildest dreams Carmelo Anthony would have had more power than Phil Jackson? When they were both in New York, remember? Yeah, well, I don't care what Phil thinks, nor do I care if he's here or not. Phil left before Carmelo did. Because the player contract, you can't move it. Especially when you're a dude like that. You think you're moving that? That ain't working, man. That, that ain't happening. So, <laughs> Danny Green. Called him a cup of coffee, dude. We love Howard, man. All good, man. And he, he just texted me, too. He says, anytime we need him to come aboard the show. He's always willing to come aboard. We really appreciate that. All right, let's go into a little bit what's getting ready as we get around the NFL here for uh, the next two weeks. The next two weeks are really going to tell us a lot about some teams and some teams as they're putting their rosters together still. Look at the New England Patriots. You know, could you see the New England Patriots moving a guy like Stefan Gilmore, who was the Defensive Player of the Year in 2019, currently he's scheduled to make this coming season $7 million. Gilmore says he wants market price money. Would the Eagles, would the Giants, would the Lions, would teams out there like, I don't think the Rams have enough assets now after the Stafford deal, and after the Jalen Ramsey deal. So I don't know if the Rams have enough assets to do this. But there's no way Stephon Gilmore is going to make top dollar in New England. Who has ever made top dollar in New England? Now, could that environment have changed? Remember what a couple of years ago, uh, you know, Howie Roseman was out looking at Patrick Peterson when he was with the Arizona Cardinals. And there was talk that, he was trying to make a deal to try to bring that player into Philadelphia when he was on Arizona, and Arizona just didn't want to budge off the number that they had and the assets that they wanted to acquire for the player. They didn't want to do that. So they were hedging their bets there. Steve Kime, the general manager of the team, at the time didn't want to move the guy. And so Howard's been uh, Howie Roseman has been looking at upgrading that secondary position with the Eagles. Would, would Stephon Gilmore be a guy 
it's going to come with a big price tag. Big price tag. And especially when you're talking about the money you're eating right now in the Carson Wentz deal. You got a lot of money for Carson Wentz to go play in Indianapolis. Now, you know, we were on with Birds 365 this morning, and I also said, you know, you can defer some of that mo- that money. However, know this. If Wentz puts that team, and I'm talking to Colts, into the AFC Championship game, and that pick escalates into a first-round pick, I don't know, the money that you're eating, you get a first-rounder out of that deal because of the escalator that's attached with this thing. Okay, I know that I'm eating money still on my cap, and the cap is going to go up to around 204, I think, next year, maybe 206. It did go down 25% this past season because of the pandemic. So I would tell you flat out, I go, you know, would that deal look a lot better for the Eagles if that thing turns into a first-round draft choice? And it gives them the ability to have another commodity and asset for them to be able to go out and upgrade the football team. And now you have Stephon Gilmore out there. You, I can promise you, that the New England Patriots are looking at two options right now. The third option to pay the guy is not one of the options. How about this? If they end up giving him market value and they end up giving him top dollar for that position, it'll be a change in culture in New England. And is that needed? I don't think so. But remember something here. That's a position that is an asset position. When you're talking free and strong in corner and you're talking quarterback and you're talking left tackle, those are premium positions that you don't see come up a lot. And look at what Jalen Ramsey's price tag was. Look at what the Rams had to surrender to get him away from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Multiple first-round draft choices. Get this, Jalen Ramsey cost more to bring him to the Los Angeles Rams then what Carson Wentz cost the Indianapolis Colts to get a premium player at the quarterback position to go to Indy. Think of that for a minute. Look at all the first-round draft choices and all the big premium picks that were surrounded around that Jalen Ramsey move that the Rams made. That shows you the importance of that position. It's in the category of being one of those top-flight positions because in a game that throws the ball a lot, that's going to be a tough putt there to see what goes on in New England. All right. We had Tim Brando on with us yesterday, and Tim was just absolutely on fire about this new nil law that's been instituted in college football. And my friend Randy Moss, or excuse me, Randy Moss, Randy Cross, who works for CBS Sports, I don't think he can run as fast as Randy Moss. No, no, no. But, but I have heard that a few times, actually. <laughs> and he joins us here now from CBS Sports, three-time Super Bowl champion, my friend Randy Cross. And Randy, I first want to start this out by saying this. Uh, Terry Donahue was a friend of ours, and Terry Donahue will always go down, in my opinion, as the true Bruin that really, when you think of coaching and you think of all the great coaches that have been at that program, Donahue's name is synonymous with Bruins football. I just want to get your thoughts on the passing of uh, Terry Donahue. Yeah, it's um, it, it hits you kind of hard, i got to be honest. Um, I, I never knew him as a head coach. Um, he was an assistant coach for Pepper Rogers at Kansas when I first met him because he was kind of cruising by. He was in L.A. 
they hadn't gotten the job yet uh, at UCLA, but he was coming by and they were, because uh, my high school coaches, all three of them played on that Rose Bowl team in 66. So he was just coming by to see his boys. And I got to have to be introduced to him then. Um, what an amazing guy. And he and I, Andrea, his, his wife and his kids, his, you know, heart goes out to them. Um, he was something. I mean, he was the best one of, he and Bob McKitcher were the best offensive line coaches I was ever around. And I have no delusions. Anything I was able to do, I was able to do because I had coaches like that. You know, you, you know, Randy, why hasn't UCLA been able to, how about this? You know, USC's under probation for all those years and they weren't able to really move the needle in any way. Now, with respect to the program, is it is it like every other place that has to pick what their priority is? I mean, like look at Kentucky. Kentucky's a basketball school. We we I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing else around it. They do they want to be a competitive team in the SEC? Of course they do. There's no question about it. And I'm not saying that about Chip Kelly also. You know Chip wants to win games. I think the recruiting classes look like they're a little bit better now. But why hasn't that program since coach Donahue really taken that next step over these last couple decades? Um, yeah, I think it's priorities. Uh, yeah, I don't think football is a top priority at UCLA. Uh, basketball is. I'm sure the new athletic director would would say otherwise, and I'm sure a lot of people around the school would say other otherwise. But it hasn't sort of been backed up by facts. I mean, it is about recruiting. Let's not you know, fool ourselves. That's number one in everything when it comes to college football. But how can you not recruit to UCLA? I mean, I've, I've told people all the time, I, I know guys that have gone there and never come back. They, they never went back <laughs> home. Um, yeah, so I, I just, I've got to think it just has not been a top priority. Um, you know, that they want to have a just kick-ass football team. And that's just, you know, they, they've, they've gotten it in basketball. It's, um, they've, got, they've got some of the best country club sports in the, in, the, in the country. But as far as football, it's just never really quite been there. And, you know, I think with Chip, recently they're starting to get better now at one place with the, where, where they really fell off and they were never bad under Terry Donahue was at the line of scrimmage, both, both O and D lines. Um, and that's where they've, they've suffered. But, you know, I think everybody has suffered as these top, you know, eight, 10 programs in the country have kind of siphoned off all the, all the line of scrimmage guys, you know, to the Alabamas and Ohio States and Clemson's and, you know, go down that list. That's where most of those guys end up. How could you not want to play at the Rose Bowl? If you've ever been there, I have, I'm sitting oh. there and I look around and I'm doing this. So Randy Cross played at this. This is unbelievable, <laughs> well, man. I played. I played at the Coliseum. I played in the Rose Bowl one time. Okay. 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 In the right. Rose Bowl. And the yeah, Rose Bowl. <laughs> when they, and, and that just adds to it. I mean, if you're recruiting, I know. you see that place. Why would you not? I mean, it's it's to me, it's the best place in the country. Weather, location, and I know you know everybody's going to say the big house or. The horseshoe, no or yeah, go down the list. But it, it, the only reason you don't think it's ro- the Rose Bowl, you've probably never been there. 
<laughs> even the gear's great. I mean, I, I just <laughs> even though I, I just I never really just got it. I'm like, you know, I mean, I don't know how this team's not a 10, 11 yeah. win program every year. Let me get into what I was talking to Tim Brando with yesterday. And we were talking about the new nil law, and you're starting to see programs starting to take advantage of it. I saw Notre Dame's offensive line signed a new contract. I know the Miami guys are already front and center. They got a gym guy now sponsoring all the players on the team. De'Ara King just made a $20,000 endorsement signing deal with a particular company. You're starting to see it pick up here, and there's really no legislation because the Supreme Court has come down saying, you have no right to tell these kids how to control their own destiny and their own likeness. You think this is going to be good for college football, or do you think there's going to be issues down the line here? Um, there'll be issues. I think the major issue that the players are going to have to deal with is the IRS is going to wet, want to wet their beak. You know, they're going to want to dip it in and get their uh, get their their little percentage, which those guys will find out really fast. It's not a little percentage. <laughs> um, you know, welcome to the real world. Hey. And they're going to miss the old days of cash in a bag. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's and and it's going to be semi-uniform. I love the way things are being rolled out here initially, where companies are saying, "Look, we'll take this position group, or you know, we'll take the offense, and we'll pay them this much." And that's that's cool. I I, I like that part of it. The reality is the same thing as it's always been. You know, the the big dogs are going to get the big deals. And, you know, it's uh, it's going to be overall, I think it'll be good for the sport. I don't think it's going to be bad. It's going to be a legislative nightmare trying to keep this straight. I mean, you know, compliance, compliance might be a bigger department than the athletic department just kind of keep up with this stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's modern. It's kind of where we are and, you know, why fool ourselves much longer? You know, I remember, I remember back in the day, right after the 84 Olympics, Carl Lewis had his house. I think it was like 86, 87. He had his house broken into down in Houston. And they talked about how he had like a couple hundred thousand dollars in jewelry and art and cash taken out of his house. And I'm going, well, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. This is an amateur athlete. What do you mean? Who's got that hanging around? At that point, I'm going, I've been playing in the NFL for eight years. I don't have that in my house. <laughs> yeah. Right on, man. I mean, I think you're right in how this thing's going to be a perception issue here when it comes to, okay, so the players now have money. Here, Here's something else, too. Let me throw this at you, too. So, Randy, my, my Canes play Alabama uh, Labor Day weekend. Okay, so you now have players, and I'm just assuming that some of the Alabama guys are going to start because I hear they're starting to cut deals now. As I said, the Miami guys. What if you have, like, a important meeting that week and one of your players has an appearance where he is going to the coach, hey, man, I've got to get to this car dealership here because I've got an appearance that I'm committed to. Then you start doing this. Okay, here's another one. Uh, a team's going to go over to this particular hotel. I can't stay at that hotel because I've got to deal with the Hyatt, and you guys are dealing with a Sheridan. And that kind of goes against my, my sponsorship deal. I guess what I'm saying here is 
it looks like there's going to be more issues with the coaches to keep this thing under wraps and keep the players focused because, and look, I'm not saying I'm all for this, the players mm -hmm. making money. I'm just wondering on distraction levels when it comes to stuff like this. Well, I, I, I think the extra money some guys are making is going to be enough of a distraction. Yeah. To be honest, I, I think that's going to be the biggest distraction. You're just, the, the points you bring up are just some of the things when you hire your guys in this new, improved and enlarged compliance department, uh, you're going to have to deal with this all the time. Coaches are not going to be happy about having to deal with it, but you know, I, I think they may have to deal with it on occasion, but it'll be mainly people in, in the athletic department that'll have to keep all that stuff straight. All right, let me let me ask you about Reggie Bush. Um, this new campaign now. I love how you know the NCAA and uh, the Heisman Trophy people. The Heisman Trophy people just kick the can down the road to the high to the NCAA guys. They just do this. Well, if they they reinstitute his records, we'll we'll give him his Heisman back. Yeah, now they yeah. put it back into the NCAA's hands. Here, are you in favor of Reggie getting his uh, Heisman Trophy? Uh, Bruin to uh, Trojan here, so I'm curious to hear. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, even if he was a UCLA guy, um, I don't understand how you rationalize that. <laughs> you can't. No, honestly. <laughs> you know, it's like, was he going to get – what's it take? Did, does the NCAA, the president of the NCAA, have to give him a, uh, a sports uh, pardon, uh, you know, to, to nullify what he did back then? Um, and that doesn't go away, you know, that whatever it was that that whole thing went on with McNair and, you know, whoever was involved in that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of that. I, I don't think uh, retroactively going back and, you know, reinstating guys because current guys are doing it. Where else does that work that way? <laughs> I mean, no, I don't think you can show anywhere where that kind of works that way. <laughs> so, no, I wouldn't be for that. I said, it's too bad, you know, that he lost it. And it's, it's too bad it kind of happened. But, you know, I don't think you go back and, and retroactively make it to a, 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 new, a mute point. Let me throw this at you. Two questions here. Two last questions here. So explain to me this. How do you think that this is productive with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan coming out and saying, oh, by the way, we really made a push on getting and trying to get Matthew Stafford into San Francisco. Boy, I'll tell you something. If I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, not only did you get a guy in the draft, you, a year previous, you had a week where you're thinking about Brady. I mean – I, I get the injury and stuff and such. I really do, Randy. But what's the point on going public? I mean, Bill Walsh and Policy and McVeigh and them dudes would never, ever in a billion years come out and go, you know, we were really interested in trading Joe Montana for John Elway. When that in that 30 for 30, it finally came. I didn't know that until I heard that in that 30 for 30. I had never heard that Bill had contemplated maybe potentially trading Joe to Denver to get that Elway pick. And then he finally said, no, there's a couple more Super Bowls in this guy, which he turned out to be right. I didn't find yeah. that out, Randy, until that 30 for 30 came out 
with Marino and Elway. I mean, I don't think that's very productive. Uh, no, I agree 100%. There, there are certain things that are said in retrospect with a historical a- aspect involved, kind of like that comment where it's way past. Um, no, I, I, I think certain, certain times hood and, hood, foot and mouth disease can be a little bit of a problem uh, in sports. And I believe that'd be a case of foot and mouth where maybe after he said it, it's one of those, oh, like, grab those words and pull them back. And, I didn't really say that, did I? Yeah. Hey, Randy, I, did you know Did you know that the organization had thought about moving Montana? No. No. Wow. Yeah. No. No. And there, was, wow. there, were, some, there were some rumbles at times, you know, his last, well, my last year or so after the Steve Young stuff had already started. But that was way after what they're talking about here. So, yeah, it was uh, – no, that would have been very, very surprising. Who did he have a better relationship with, Walsh? Did he have a better relationship with Young? Because he made – to me, I always looked at it on the outside like, look at what he did. Not only did they draft Joe in the third round, but then they found this guy on the junk pile, Steve Young, in Tampa. He's, he, I mean, he's on the junk pile. Nobody – really thought he was going to be that guy. And I was always wondering, was he more fond of the fact that Steve was kind of more of a reclamation project, you know, at least for the perception of it being, once he stepped on the field, you saw, okay, okay, once you got talent around him, he is that guy we thought he was going to be when he was with the Express. Um, But who did he have a better relationship with, Joe or with Young? I'm talking Bill Walsh. Well, my my perception would be Joe. Only from the standpoint of, you know, I, I was with Steve in 87 and 88, my last two years. You know, I was his, I was his roommate during training camp and on the road. Um, you know, why Bill decided that I should room with him. I, <laughs> I guess I played with Joe long enough, you know, and, and Steve was competitive as hell. And I just kind of sit over there and nod my head. And go, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, it, it, it's something that, you know, when it happened and as it went on, you know, Joe and Joe and Bill kind of played off each other. And I think Steve was a huge challenge for Bill. And Bill, we all knew Bill. Bill had an ego. And Bill wanted to prove he could do something with him. And something that Tampa Bay couldn't do and nobody else, nobody else can do. And he saw something in him. Obviously, he was right with back-to-back Hall of Fame guys, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an an interesting dynamic, but it wasn't one that you really saw coming. If you had to have one guy in your huddle to win a Super Bowl, Young or Montana, who you picking? Um, I'm gonna go with the guy who won me three. I know Steve (laughs) won one, but I'm going with the guy who won me three. (laughs) Tell everybody, man, that guy's the goat. I don't care what anybody says, and I know I get killed by that. When I say, because they were look, look, look at Brady, and I'm like, I get it, but remember something. Well, he had rice. I'm like, he didn't have rice in Detroit. Okay. When they won yeah. that Super Bowl, they had my friend Freddie yeah. Solomon and some dude named Henry Cooper. Didn't have, <laughs> yeah, Earl Cooper, actually. Earl, oh, excuse me. Um, yeah. Didn't have, didn't have JR in Super Bowl 19 either. Had a nasty, mean defense, though. Absolutely, man. You guys were, 
as I said, I hate you very much because you guys had <laughs> you guys your first two teams could have beat anybody in the NFL too. <laughs> it was crazy. Hey, Randy, thank you, brother. Have a great weekend. Anytime, Dan. My pleasure. You got it. That is the great Randy Cross, College Football Hall of Famer, UCLA legend, and also 49ers legend. We'll take a brief time out to keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show, Dan Cilio. I'm really looking forward to the New England Patriots season this year. A lot of storylines wrapped around that season this year, I think. And it's going to be two guys that will be front and center. It'll be Cam Newton 
and it'll be Bill Belichick. Let me start with Cam. I've got tremendous respect for Cam Newton. I'll tell you why. Cam Newton was a one-man show in Carolina. And I never really thought that the National Football League knew how to legislate hits on him. And I think all the current players of today have benefited from the beating that Cam took in Carolina. I mean, if Tom Brady takes off in any way, goes up the field, and somebody hits him, or it's considered a tough hit, it's a penalty. No matter what, it's a penalty. Because why? The league is protecting that position. I truly believed that the league said this, I don't want to see the Nick Foles of the world any longer in the Super Bowl. I don't want a Super Bowl of backup quarterbacks. I want the frontline stars because the frontline stars in this league are the quarterbacks. You know, the quarterback in the NFL today is arguably one of the most recognizable people in all of American sports. You don't want Patrick Mahomes, you don't want Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady sitting on the side or in street clothes because they got hit by a BS hit in some Bengals game. And they missed the playoff. Nobody wants to see that. They want to see the stars in the sport. And they want to make sure that those stars are protected. Cam Newton, in my opinion, was the guy that was the sacrificial lamb because the NFL officials didn't know exactly what they had here. Here was a guy that could throw the ball for 300 yards. And here's also a guy that could run the ball for 100 yards. He did, did the same stuff that he did at Auburn that he did in his early years at Carolina. If you look at those early years in Carolina, he had great numbers. But then as the war of attrition started taking its toll on him, shoulder injury, arm injury, leg injuries, back injuries. I, I, I told you this before. This is an NFL career. It's not the devastating hit that ends guys' careers. Hell, did you guys even know that Tom Brady had an injury to his knee? I didn't, I didn't really know that until I found out this past offseason. This is what happens, and I've done this before to you. Can you imagine this? One year. And what I'm doing here is I'm hitting the top of a nail, pretending. That's your knee. Guy hitting you. Every single practice. Every single mini camp. Every single game. Five years. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. It gets to a point your body disintegrates because of the contact. Brady was a great, I, I didn't know Brady had a knee injury. I had no idea. Now you combine that with a style of play. Think about Brady's style. Brady's a drug. Brady still had a knee injury, didn't he? Missed the entire season back in the day. Remember he missed that one year? He, he still missed the season. And his style of play, seven step, throw the ball. Very hard to sack a guy and very hard to get big hits on that kind of guy unless he's moving around in the pocket. And Brady's not going to be moving around in the pocket. So he's going to take limited hits. And then the NFL officials are going to protect that and making sure you're not going low, you're not hitting him late. And how about this? Sometimes you're not even hitting him legally, but – they don't want that defensive unit to get the notion that they could just take deep shots at the guy. Those days of hitting these quarterbacks like that are over with. Now you change that style. 
Cam Newton, five to seven step drop, moves around a lot in the pocket. You don't really know where he is behind you if you're an old lineman. Then all of a sudden he gets out in the perimeter and he starts running up the sidelines and then he gets creamed by a free safety. You know what the officials are watching? They're watching Cam Newton just run up the field as a guy who is trying to get yardage. They're not looking at him any longer as a quarterback on the football team. And those years of them doing that and not understanding, how about this? I'll make a, another comparison here. Do we agree when Shaquille O'Neal played in the NBA that the NBA officials really just never knew really how to how to officiate against Shaq? Remember the hack of Shaq? They, they just didn't know how to handle Shaq was so gargantuan, not large, gargantuan, that they really didn't know how to legislate fouls against Shaq. So they went through an entire year, years actually, not knowing how to deal with Shaquille O'Neal because he was an anomaly. He just They'd never seen a guy that big and that forceful on being able to move down in the box, right? Nobody saw that. Same thing with Newton. Nobody saw somebody that could run like that and be effective throwing the ball in the air. And now you look at Lamar. You look at Russell Wilson. You look at even Josh Allen. They make sure that those players are looked at as quarterbacks running down the field and not just running backs running down the field. So Cam Newton is taking a beating. Then you combine that a year ago with a new offense, nobody thinking that you're going to do anything, and then you add COVID-19 to the whole mix. I know that we had Dan Shaughnessy on from the Boston Herald a couple days ago, and he thinks Cam Newton shot. I don't. I think Cam Newton is going to have a comeback year. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. You're getting a lot of opt-back ins, the Patriots. And by the way, the league doesn't have any opt-outs, which is great for the 2021 season. And you're going to get a better Cam Newton. I think he's going to have more of a grasp of Josh McDaniel's offense. They love him up there. Now, could you see Mac Jones? Listen, when you draft a guy in the first round, as high as a pick, as he was taken, you're not drafting that guy to sit him on his ass, the Alabama quarterback they drafted in the first round. That kid's going to play, okay? But you got to remember something about the dynamic that's in New England with Belichick now. Bill's got six Super Bowl rings, right? Brady just won one. He's got that hanging over his head. And there's another goal out there for him. You know, we, we talk about winning. We talk about your place in history. Bill's is solidified. But Bill's trying to run down now Don Shula as well. He's trying to get to the all-time winningest wins for a head football coach in NFL history before he bows out. He's already the all-time postseason wins head coach, and now he's on the cusp of being potentially the all-time regular scene. It depends on what he does over these next few years here, to be quite candid. You know, I'm not so sure that we're talking about him trying to win a Super Bowl again. More as I think he's trying to win 10, 11 football games every year to get to that number, and then he bows out once he gets to that particular number. That's where I think he is in the landscape. So it's going to be interesting to see how people are going to look at him over these next couple of years with Brady not being in that building. 
His legacy is set, but every year that Brady continues to win in Tampa Bay, let's say Brady wins another championship. If Brady wins another Super Bowl, do we not agree? We start doing this. Man, instead of it being, before it was 50-50, that you thought that relationship in New England was Brady and Belichick together. Well, after Tom won that Super Bowl last year, didn't we do this? Eh, maybe 60-40 now. It's more on Tom's favor. And if Brady wins another Super Bowl this year, do we not do this? That's more 70-30. And I'm wondering how people will receive his coaching tenure in New England. Did he get lucky? with? Watch this. Could it easily be this? Hey, this guy just got lucky. And he landed a goal. Mine. Remember something. He was drafted in the sixth round. I said this yesterday. Patriots did miss on him five times. Did he just get lucky and he landed on Brady and it changed his fortunes as a head coach? Could that be possible? About to see in this 2021 season for Belichick and that football team. I can't wait to see. I hope Cam comes back too. By the way, Krause, great day today. We really appreciate it. Hey, Birds 365, we were on this morning. We appreciate everybody coming aboard here, man. Thank you, Big Joe. Don't forget, if you missed any of the show, you can go over to the Jacob Media channel, like it, share it, watch it over the weekend too. We really appreciate it. We'll catch you Monday morning going 4 to 6 Eastern time. We'll see you on the flip side. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.